I'm Joshua. And I'm Jamie. And, and we're, we're going to do, do Daredevil. Daredevil. Everyone, this is episode two, and uh, in this one, we're going to talk about the first twelve issues of Daredevil Volume One. Um, and yes. before we go into it, um, I did want to ask you about your favorite runs on Daredevil and your favorite creators. Okay, um, my favorite run is is actually the first one I ever read, which I kind of briefly talked about um, during episode one of our podcast. Uh, it's Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maylie's run, uh, which was Volume Two. Uh, started, I believe, in the 20s or so and, and went to 50, and then there was a little gap and then five or six more issues after that. But it, I, I don't know if it was just the time of my life or and I was into that type of dark kind of noir stuff, but it was just, it, it really, I don't know, something about it just really, like, it was so refreshing. It, it really came across and just, just hit me across the face. I liked it so much. Um, kind of just give a brief little summary so it starts out and Daredevil is outed, basically. Mm-hmm. So Daredevil has to deal with the fact that everybody knows who he is. So Brian Michael Bendis does a great job of really, you know, breaking down the character and, you know, making you f- feel what he's feeling and having to deal with his personal life, everything being at risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Kingpin has just been, you know, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, it has just been killed. Mm-hmm. And his wife, Vanessa's kind of, going on revenge to try to, you know, bring the killer to justice. And uh, Daredevil, also she falls, he falls in, in love with, with this new character, Myla, who happens to also be blind. They end up getting married eventually, but just their relationship, that whole dynamic was so interesting. And just kind of sum it up real quick, uh, Daredevil, Issue 50, probably my favorite issue of all time. Mm-hmm. In volume two. In volume two, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. Issue 15, volume two. Uh, uh, we find out Kingpin is still alive, so he's, he's weak. He's barely survived, you know, being, you know, quote unquote, killed before. So he's alive, and Daredevil and him have a huge, like, bout. They, they, they fight it out, and Daredevil is finally able to beat him, which up, up until that point, especially with Frank Miller's run, Whenever the kingpin fights, you know Daredevil, the kingpin always wins. Just because, mm-hmm. and I'm glad they made him that way. But for this fight, Daredevil beats him, and all of the kingpin's crew is around watching. And he basically declares to the whole world to hear, like, "I don't live in Hell's Kitchen anymore. Like, I run Hell's Kitchen." So mm-hmm. he kind of takes the place of kingpin mm-hmm. per se and says, "I'm in charge here. You guys are going to live by the way." I want the city to be ran type mm. of deal. So it was just so awesome. And maybe I'm a little biased because it was the first Daredevil run that I actually ever read. Mm-hmm. But everything I've read since then, lots of lots of great stuff, but nothing quite, you know, quite hit that point. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so that's it. That's my 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 favorite run. What about you, Jamie? What's your favorite run? Um, I am a huge fan of the Miller run, the the initial Miller run, which uh, was one fifty eight to. 191, I think. Yeah, he started, he was just drawing. It was just drawing, yeah. Yeah. And it was Mackenzie 
Was that the I mean look up well, I, I, I couldn't I, tell you. <laughs> I do know that Frank Miller wasn't happy with the uh, with how the the writing was going, so Marvel basically got rid of the writer and, yeah. let, and let him take over. Yeah, it was um, uh, Denny O'Neill was the editor, and I think they they bumped the the writer at that stage. Um, but, 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 excuse me while I look this up. Okay, yeah, Mackenzie. It was um, but, 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 Roger Mackenzie. And uh, then uh, Miller came in and he did it from 158 until he was around 159. I think it was pretty quick that he took over until uh, 191. Um, and it, and that, that, that run, that story tied up pretty well in that little run that he did. I mean, I say little, it's a pretty hefty run. Um, it, it introduced a lot of the elements that are now considered canon for Dead Devil, the whole um, the stick as a, a mentor, uh, Electra, um, really cemented the idea of um, uh, Bullseye being a main adversary and Kingpin being tied tied linked uh, linked very tightly to him who before then had been a spider-man mm-hmm. uh, villain for for a lot of the he was kind of a joke too as a spider-man <coughs> yeah, it's right? kind of just like this large they, they, there was a lot of early on in marvel they had a lot of big crime characters that were just like these um um like kind of wise guy uh very, very uh, dated wise guy characters mm-hmm. um i love that run but i would say that my favorite is the um, the the Born Again uh, storyline, which um, okay. is from two two seven to two three three, which uh, Miller and David Mazzuchelli. Uh, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> close enough. Yeah, yeah it's close. Uh, uh, he, yeah, that, I love that storyline, and it, it's um, that one does a really good job of of dismantling the character and then rebuilding the character, and there's beautiful symmetry between. Daredevil story and the Kingpin story where they um, the, the gist of the story is that, that the Kingpin finds out uh, Daredevil's secret identity and decides to break him and and just disma- just destroy the character piece by piece and slowly chips away at him and it's about he's it's very tied to this idea of like a rebirth and mm-hmm. Daredevil hits his lowest point and then builds himself back up right um but you know, I also I, I really liked uh, Anna Senti's run as well, which followed soon after. There was kind of bounce around with different creators after the uh, the Born Again storyline, um, and I mean her stuff is really fun. And, and mm-hmm. John Romita Jr. was the artist on that, who is just I, I just love how he draws. His stuff is so large and yeah. just this weird combination of claustrophobia and and grandness that is like there's so much space but so much in that space being used that i really enjoy um and i like the latest stuff i i I, like i said i dropped out and stopped reading after fall from grace and um uh, kind of sporadically read i really like the shadowland storyline which was a quite recently maybe eight years ago yeah shadowland was that where he was possessed by the or he was leader of the hand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Here we go. Shadowland is. I bet she's gonna be older than eight years, right? Yeah. It says 2010. Oh, is that right? Oh boy. That's 2011. Exactly. Oh, seven years. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh, maybe 2000. Maybe it is older actually. Yeah, it is. Look at that. 2009. 2009. Yeah. So Andy Diggle and uh, 
and others. <laughs> I think I think volume three started right after that. Yeah, that which was the Mark Wade um, yeah. stuff. Yeah, which and is then, also great. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Wade Mark Wade's run was, was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it has a lot of nice callbacks to how the character was originally and it's a little more um it's it's combining the uh having Daredevil exist in the real world with kind of like the lighter, more comic, more enjoyable elements of the, the earlier stuff. Um, anyway, that's my, those are my three favorites, but, or whatever, however many, I <laughs> there. but they're definitely all again. good. Yeah, all good. All good. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm, I'm also a big fan of all of Frank Miller stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You, you really hit it on point with what you said there. Um, so Daredevil, let's have a quick, uh, for a publication. Daredevil is currently on its fifth volume, I believe. Yeah. And, and there, I think, uh, they're on issue six hundred or right six. around six hundred. They, yeah. they renumbered. Yeah, and so I think they're. I, I I just saw the. I think in August two thousand. Yeah, they're right around six hundred right now. Yeah, and uh, but they they were numbered I think up until one uh, one through twenty eight, and then they switched back to five ninety something to mm-hmm. get to six hundred. So, so if you combine all of the the books that have been published, it'd be around six hundred. But um, his first appearance was in April nineteen sixty four. That's right, Daredevil Volume One, Issue One, um, created by and I'm going to do air quotes for created <laughs> by Stan Lee, uh, Stan Lee and Bill Everett, are the two credited creators. Um, there is uh, has been mentioned that um, Jack Kirby, I think, helped design. Design. certain elements yeah including the costume yeah. the costume although um i believe bill everett went in and changed stuff uh the main thing that stuck was the billy clubs the idea of the clubs mm-hmm. um and um issue one is it's kind of a interesting quick read because it is it's pretty much just his origin and it, it introduces a bunch of characters i mean it introduces him it introduces uh foggy nelson his partner and uh lifelong well Childhood long friend, yeah, since and college. Um, <laughs> uh, since college, and Karen Page is yeah. their uh, their secretary. There's still a lot of hangover from uh, Marvel Comics at that stage. Was still had a little bit of the uh, romance comics uh, tied into what they were doing. So there was a lot of love triangles and oh. a lot of thought balloons. Of, yeah, uh, will he ever? Will he ever love me? It, Does she not know that I it's love a, her? It's a great thing that goes over the whole first two years of the comic is is that love triangle between yeah. Foggy, Daredevil, and Karen Page. It's just, it's funny because he, uh, you know, Daredevil obviously is blind. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll go over how he got blind here in a little bit. But so he's blind and Karen, and and she basically always wants to get him to, you know, get it, get it fixed. Like he know, she knows this doctor who can, yeah. can fix the blindness and stuff. But specifically, and both of them talk about this, if, if he gets the blindness fixed, that means he can fall in love and, and you know, he could marry somebody perhaps yeah. one day. Yeah, because there's, there's, there's a lot of like, blind, yeah, apparently. there's some great stuff of like, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, he's so handsome, he's so smart, he's incredible, he's great at everything. But, but he's, he's yeah. blind. Yeah, but he's blind. Yeah, like, so how could he? Worst. Like, do, doesn't he want to fall in love? Yeah, can blind people <laughs> yeah. marry? <laughs> and obviously, Daredevil has his reasons for not wanting to fix his his sight. Basically, you know, dealing yeah. with the powers that he gets mm. when the accident. happens. Yeah, the main thing is he's really worried that he'll lose these heightened senses that, have, uh, that he's acquired since his blindness. Yeah. And and and, fo- and, fo- and Foggy just. I mean, it, both of these guys, Matt Murdock and Foggy, 
instantly fall in love with her. Yeah. I mean, instantly. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, Matt finds out, I think it's like issue two or three right away, that, that you know, Foggy has feelings too, so he needs to step aside yeah. and be like, I can't possibly ever let, you know, her know how I feel about her yeah. because... I can't do that to Foggy. Mm-hmm. And there's some great stuff with uh, one of one of uh, the powers that comes up pretty, or one of his talents, I should say, that come up pretty, because uh, he doesn't have powers, technically. One of his talents that comes up early is his ability to read heartbeats. Um, I can't remember which issue I added down as being like maybe uh, seven or eight. It's, it's not super early that it's very specific, but it does talk about it in a general sense, but then it actually shows the heartbeat, I think, around issue eight. But the, the, the thing that it touches on is whenever they're, all three of them are in a room, um, even though they're... they're and it, it, his, his abilities change constantly. Like the degree that he can detect things changes yeah. depending on what they want to say in that panel. Um, but it's always like, I can't read if her heart is beating fast because she loves me or loves Foggy or is sad for my eyes or because it just goes on and on and on. Um, one, one thing that I found interesting about uh, Foggy is that in issue one, um, it's it, he's presented as being pretty much like the Foggy that everyone knows, which is kind of a schlobby guy. He's, a little, like he's, he's drawn as having a few chins and he's a little more portly than everyone else and he's a little more um, and this might be Everett and I think Everett had uh, a couple of other artists work on the book but they might have just been doing backgrounds and other characters but he has this kind of hangdog look that um, is what people have come to expect of Foggy Nelson Franklin Foggy Nelson yes Um, and the only reason that they're kind of together is that he funds the yeah, he doesn't really know too much about law. No, he's, kind, so. he's kind of awful. He's, he's constantly on the phone going, I can't, I can't talk right now. I've yeah. got some serious litigation <laughs> I need to do. Um, but then after that, they, they, they kind of present him as being like a pretty standard, fairly uh, regular guy after that. Yeah. He's less slobby and he's more... I think when Wally Wood took over doing mm-hmm. the art is when his appearance actually changed quite a bit. In fact, in one of those early... Uh, Early issues, he even acts a little heroic. You know, he yeah. sees a he sees a he sees a potential villain, mm-hmm. and he you know I'm going to come back at night when everyone's gone to see if that villain was really there, so I can foil foil what's going on. Yeah, something that Foggy would never do. Yeah, never. or if he did, it would be like he trips over <laughs> yeah, and smashes something. Yeah. He, he punches a mirror at one point because he's so angry, which is kind of a weird. Like they 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 waver between him being. I think in issue one he says something like. Uh, Oh, Matt's like the best guy in the world. And then after that, he's always like, damn him, I hate him. Yeah. And punching mirrors yeah. and getting angry. Um, and it's, it's uh, you know, the idea that, that they change who he is so much and make him kind of this regular guy, I think is forced a little bit for the love triangle because you do get a, a sense that Karen might go for him. Whereas if it was more the traditional and, and you know, this is Marvel always do the traditional Mm-hmm. Um, if it was more the traditional, it'd be like I'm going with the handsome, quiet, mysterious guy who can't be with me because he he's has blind. a secret. Because he's blind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love how it changes. Like in in one issue, they're like, I better lead him up these stairs, and he, he always thinks that if only they knew how well yeah. I can. Yeah, I, I, can I know more about these stairs. Way easier than you <laughs> yeah. guys. <can>. Yeah, but <laughs> as a, and then some other guys like follow me. I'm yeah. going downstairs. Keep up. Um, <laughs> Now it's uh, Bill Everett is um, also created uh, the Submariner Namor, 
Um, I think those are the two main characters that he's he's credited as, as creating for Marvel, at least. I know that uh, Namor originally appeared in, appeared in another imprint that was eventually Marvel, but um, yeah, he, he was technically Marvel's first superhero. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he he only lasts for one issue. Uh, yeah. Bill, dear old Bill. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's kind of an interesting character. He had a, he grew up in. Massachusetts, I believe, and was a, a teenage alcoholic, and uh, f- uh, as as uh, as a known fabulist, and his, his history changed a lot. But he he grew up in a fairly wealthy family and kind of rode through the depression. And his parents supported him as an artist, and he was interested in fine art. He, he like so many of the artists and creators back then, he went to war. He went to both theaters. I think he was in Europe and in um, the Pacific. And came back and and started working for comic strips and advertising firms like a lot of the the artists. And I, I think it's um, I mean he's only there for that one issue. And when I was reading it, one thing I, I remember thinking was uh, I mean there's 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 definite parallels to Spider Man. It feels like they're trying to create another Spider Man, but it's like Stan was sitting there and said, "What if we did Spider Man?" But he actually tried to save the person rather than letting him go by. So there's none of that guilt hang up. Um, and the other thing is the artwork. There are moments where it looks like Steve Ditko um, was drawing some of it, and I think that's one of the people that is that, that is credited as helping out. <coughs> um, but you were saying about his origin, and you wanted to touch on that. Yes. So uh, how did Daredevil become? How did Matt Murdock lose his sight, become the poor blind, oh, I, I unmarriable? I will, I will tell you how that happened, actually. Um, so just kind of going over issue one, where, you know, that's the origin issue. Uh, it's, it starts out, and we find out that Daredevil is, he's basically trying to find this guy named the Fixer. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know why at the beginning of the issue, but obviously, you know, through the course of the issue, we figure out why. But he wants to find the Fixer because the, the Fixer is a person that ends up maybe not pulling the trigger, but killing Matt Murdock's father. Mm-hmm. So when, when we're talking about his origin, it starts out, he's a young boy, and uh, his dad, it's very important to battling Jack Murdoch, who's Matt Murdoch's father, that Matt does not turn out like how he did. You know, his mom's not in the picture. She passed away some time before. And so, he's in, so uh, Matt's dad is in charge of him, and he wants him to study, to concentrate on his schooling, because he doesn't want him to turn out like a big lug like he is. Mm-hmm. Matt's father, Jack, is a he's a boxer. And he actually at one time was, you know, supposedly he was a pretty good boxer, but he's, you know, towards the end of his career and, and everything. So he's having a little bit more difficulty, you know, finding uh, uh, finding boxing matches. Mm-hmm. So kind of long story short, uh, he goes out and he enlists the help of the fixer. This is Jack Murdoch. He enlists the help of the, the fixer to help kind of be his manager somebody he wanted to shy away from because he knew his the shadiness of him because he knew this guy could potentially help him get some more boxing matches, which would allow him to get money to help support his son go through school mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. Well, it turns out that um, after he enlists the help of the fixer, that exact same day, uh, Matt Murdock is walking down the street and he sees a blind man crossing the road. And there's a... An, a uh, 
a vehicle containing radioactive material mm-hmm. that the brakes go out or something. From uh, Ajax, Atomic, Ajax or something. something like that, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's a runaway vehicle going straight towards the blind man. So Matt, you know, being very heroic, jumps in the way, pushes the blind man out of the way to safety, and he survives. But the side effect of this is, I can't remember if the vehicle ends up crashing. I don't think it really goes over it, but a canister of some radioactive material falls out of the truck and hits Matt in the face. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it ends up blinding him. Yeah. So now we have blind Matt. We have Matt Murdock's father, uh, battling Jack Murdock, uh, who is basically feels terrible and wishing that it would have happened to him. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot, you know, time passes, life goes on. Matt ends up, you know, realizing that the, the, whatever, the radioactive material ends up hitting him in the face actually ends up, in addition to making him lose his eyesight, gives him these abilities by heightening his other senses. Mm-hmm. So what a normal person can hear, he can hear substantially more than that. Um, and you mentioned it earlier, you know, he can even hear people's heartbeats as mm-hmm. well which he uses as a lie detector and, you know, lots of stuff in the pulse rates and everything. Mm-hmm. So his vision is increased. His hearing is increased. His such is his vision is, is not sorry. Not his vision. <laughs> My bad. I'm talking too fast. Um, his hearing yep. has increased, uh, his smell, mm-hmm. his, uh, taste yeah. and sense of touch. Yeah. They've all heightened to, I, I, I don't want to say superhuman, but basically, you know, superhuman, yeah. their powers yeah. more or less. And uh, he doesn't have the radar sense yet. That no, comes, yeah, that, comes not, that ends up developing a little bit later, I think, while he's at college. Hmm. So Matt ends up uh, training kind of, uh, you know, he, he, he was made fun of a lot growing mm-hmm. up and because yeah. he was a bookworm. And so he ends up training because he realizes that, you know, you know, I got a lot of my dad blood in me. And, and you know, he starts boxing in secret. He does all this stuff so his dad doesn't find out. Mm-hmm. Well, when he's blind... Uh, he continues it. He continues to work out to, he's, you know, you do all the, the karate, the boxing, all, you know, all that stuff. He learns how to become a really good fighter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he goes to college. That's where uh, he meets foggy. Mm-hmm. And then while at college, uh, Jack gets a fight with, um, I forget his name, but some, like the number two, mm-hmm. the number two yeah. uh, champion boxer dude. Yeah, and Matt and Foggy decide to go to uh, go to the the fight match, and they show up there. And Matt, or sorry, and Jack has been told by the fixer. Now, you know you've been winning a lot, but this match, I'm going to need you to lose. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to take the dive on purpose. And when, when, you know, when we're at the match now and Matt is in the stands, Jack is like, I, I, I can't lose. You know, this is actually something that my son could be proud of me. I'm such an underdog. I can beat this guy. I can do it for my son. Mm-hmm. So he, instead of doing what the fixer tells him to do, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go all in and go for it. And he ends up being victorious. He, mm-hmm. he, he beats him. and uh, Davis. Davis. The, yeah. So he ends up beating Davis and celebration everybody's so happy the underdog did well everyone's happy except for the fixer so the fixer ends up uh using one of his goons named slade Mm -hmm. and is like i want you to take care of the situation long story short slade goes gets the gun pow pow shoots jack after he leaves the gym in an alley or somewhere matt ends up finding out obviously 
makes him feel terrible inside, mopes around a little bit. Foggy gives him some words of encouragement, basically telling him, hey, your dad wouldn't want you to be like this. Mm-hmm. So life goes on. Yeah, Daredevil continues, or sorry, Matt, he's not Daredevil yet. Matt Murdock continues to study. He graduates first in his class, uh, continues to train. And then he decides at some point, I need to, I guess, avenge my father. Hmm. I need to make sure that, you know, his his killer or killers are brought to justice. So that's when he decides that, you know what, he's going to keep his promise to his dad, which he made a long time ago. He promised his dad that he would focus on his schooling and not basically... Not, not use his fists. Exactly. A, yeah. And so he can keep his promise by using a different persona to fight crime. And that's when Daredevil gets created. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, in, in, in issue one, the, the first suit, which is the, the yellow and black suit, mm-hmm. he just grabs a few shirts and sews yeah, them together. Yeah, he sews them together, and, and he has thankful- incredible uh, sense. His sense of touch is so incredible that he can sew better than anyone. Better than anybody, anyone. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember reading that. And uh, so he makes, um, he makes a Daredevil suit. He goes out. Uh, basically, we kind of fast-forward back into real time now at this point. He finds, he finds the fixer's goons draws the fixer in and Slade as well and a long battle ensues and he ends up taking the fixer down and when he and, and Slade as well the, mm-hmm. the cops end up uh, taking him after he pretends to video or to video or sorry to audio to record their audio to get their confession when yeah. he doesn't actually have a tape recorder. Yeah. So he has, there's some cops that are nearby that, that hear the confession. They're like, well, that's good enough for me. Yeah. And then they, they take <laughs> him in. The understanding <laughs> of law in this book is very uh, <laughs> slight. Which is funny considering he's a lawyer. I, anyway, so, uh, but the fixer actually, because of the chase, ends up having a heart attack mm-hmm. at the end of the issue. And, and I think he dies. He dies. Yeah, he yeah. dies. He's uh, and and Matt is just like oh well. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, he, he he goes he goes. Well, I guess they're not going to have to like. Yeah, spend, that'll save some time. <laughs> yeah, save some time and money, and not have to spend resources on on keeping him locked up or something. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so uh, that's the basic origin story of Daredevil or yeah. of how he came to be. And it's linked to um, a little sidebar here. It's linked to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. Yes, the same uh, um, radioactive waste fell. An, another canister fell down into the sewers of New York and. Um, and uh, it sped up the the evolution of the turtles and mm-hmm. Splinter. So, yeah. um, it's uh, it's it's fun. It's a it's a very fun, easy read. The one thing that I think, uh, and and this is even from page one, is that it very much, like I said, it very much felt like they wanted to repeat the success of Spider Man, and um, and that kind of ties into the second issue where, and even. I guess into uh, later issues, but the second one definitely where the the villain is Electro, who is a Spider-Man rogue, um, and the Fantastic Four have an appearance. Fantastic well. Four, yeah, it, they're it's really the same trying like, to, you know. Yeah, they 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 want everyone to. to yeah. They want it. They want him to be part of the world, because um, <clears throat> uh, this is. I mean, this is 1964, so Fantastic Four have been around for three years and uh, or two and a half years, and Spider-Man's been around for a year, two and a half two years um so the, he's he's a pretty latecomer in terms of that early run of fantastic four x-men spider-man thor and, and all of the the other more well-known uh, superheroes um the uh the artwork changes because uh, bill everett is an involved in issue two in fact issue two three and four 
have uh, Joe Orlando and Vince Coletta coming in to do the art. Joe Orlando uh, penciling and Vince Coletta doing inking. Um, and it's it's a bit of a, a change in style. One of the things I noticed about the earlier issues is that um, the idea of uh, Daredevil being a Hell's Kitchen protector or a, a superhero for that neighborhood is they only really link his origin to Hell's Kitchen. And then after that, it's very much like Manhattan. And mm-hmm. um, and the cityscapes are very wide and open. And there's a lot of things of him like jumping and saying, well, I hope there's a building here and I hope there's a flagpole in the building. And <laughs> yeah. um, the um, and in issue three, they introduced the hood on the costume, which... Yes. It lasts for yeah, it, one it's, issue. It's, it's the backpack hood. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's, in, it's genius. <laughs> but it just doesn't work. No. Because, you know, somebody has to change quickly into their, into their, uh, you know, their superhero outfit. Yeah. What do you do with your, your regular clothes? Yeah, your, ring, your special wrinkle-free yeah. clothes. Yeah, what do you do with, with your regular clothes? So it was temporarily used to, uh, I guess, as a housing unit to, yeah. uh, for his clothes. So that way, after he was done fighting crime, he could put his clothes back yeah. on and not miss a beat. I wonder if that was um, Joe Orlando or Stanley's idea. Stanley's still writing at this stage. He, he writes most of the early stuff. Um, I think it lasted only two issues, though. And yeah. He, and and the, the way they got rid of it was perfect because it ends up catching on something and tearing. Someone grabs it. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and, and they tear it. Yeah. And, and like, Daredevil they, they realizes this is a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. um, but they do they do play around with the billy clubs a lot in those early oh, yeah. issues. There's, uh, it goes from being, look, they're billy clubs. I, I use it as a walking stick and I use it to swing off of. And then it becomes a microphone. It has a steel cable that can be used like uh, Spider-Man's web. And, and it, it, it's got hinges in it so, so he can, can change the shape of it. At one point, he turns into a boomerang <laughs> yeah. and throws it. And, uh, I think that's when in the, um, the Purple Man issue, in issue four, because yeah. he uses it to block the elevator that he's going to go down. Oh, yeah, and it stops and it, yeah, yeah. It keeps the doors open. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, in the early run, there's there's definitely a sense of him, they're trying to build... I mean, the the, ca- the character comes pretty formed after issue one, and there's just refinement after that for in terms of what his powers are, and they change constantly in terms of how he senses work. And there's, like, very early on, it's, I, can, I can follow anyone through this city because I can smell their hair tonic, suddenly becomes like... Can, I can sense their shape or I can hear their footsteps. I can, so there's all these ways that he follows people around. And, um, but yeah, the, the first real villain that he has, I mean, I, I wouldn't call the fixer a rogue. No, I mean, I he dies either. anyway. So in fact, at the end of issue, at, at the end of issue one, uh, it says in the dialogue there, like tune in next issue where he f- faces his first supervillain. Yeah. Which happens to be Electro. Electro, yeah. Um, but uh, in issue three, he he meets the Owl, who is the uh, Owl, beca- who becomes one of these uh, main rogues. Mm-hmm. I think is. I actually really liked issue three. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's the the artwork has a real um, horror comic mm-hmm. vibe to it. Like uh, the way they draw the Owl, especially his face is really it's very bizarre compared to everyone else. There's like that. There's the very clean line work of, of everyone. Like everyone's noses looks perfectly yeah. in, in those early Marvel comics, and that's just a house style, I think. But um, but the owl looks really scratchy and kind of yeah. a nightmare. She has that funky hair that um, 
that uh, I guess Wolverine eventually. Yeah, and has. and the way that the owl looks now is a lot different than how he was drawn in issue three. Because yeah. in issue three, he's bigger than Daredevil. He's, he's huge. Yeah, he's a huge man. Uh, not not like uh, Kingpin huge, but just he's he's a really big guy, which yeah. is obviously it's way different than that, that now. Now he's a, he's a little dude. Yeah, yeah. They really want to make him look like an owl. It's yeah. The, the, and and uh, he has this great headquarters. Yes. His secret headquarters. Yeah. Secret headquarters that happen to be right on their their it's ocean front. Yeah. And uh, a huge owl shaped building. Yeah. Isn't what's it called the Airy or something like that or the I think it is. Yeah, the airy. And um one thing I really liked about the owl though is he started out and they describe him as like a financial wizard. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just he knows money and then he he has this this um bookkeeper person that he hires who basically ends up taking the fall for yeah, all of He's an accountant. Money. He's like a straight yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. He is a straight guy, but uh he ends up taking the fall. Yeah. And the owl knew this would happen and and it was set in motion that way. So uh once the owl gets arrested after his accountant ends up committing suicide and stepping in front of oncoming vehicle, uh, the owl, he basically decides, you know what? I'm going to be a villain now. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to be the the best villain there is. Yeah. And, and what does the best villain need? He needs, he needs henchmen. Mm -hmm. So he goes out and he enlists two, uh, very powerful people, uh, sad Sam Sims and ape. I think it's Horgan. Yeah. And sad Sam is, a marksman mm-hmm. can can shoot a gun and hit anything, and he actually has has these two guys go through tests to prove that they are as good as they are. Yeah, and ape he has ape basically wrestle an ape to, yep. to show that he's as strong as an <laughs> ape, and uh, and after he has them demonstrate their power, he then pretends to kill them by dropping them down in this big huge, I don't know, this big chute that opens into the ocean, and then he dives down with his cape and saves their lives mm-hmm. and basically says, this is how you know I'm in charge. Yeah, And it was, it's just cool because it gave the character, I don't know, just made him stronger, made, uh, yeah. you know, more dynamic. It was just, it was neat to see yeah. how powerful he could be. So I, I really like how they kind of brought the owl into. Yeah. And a lot of the, the early villains that they tried to introduce are kind of these weak characters that mm-hmm. need strong people around them and are often holding on, like the, their leadership is frail, right. whereas this guy, you, you got the impression that he was definitely in charge. I don't think they use his name in there. No, just the owl. Just yeah. the owl. Yeah, there's very little naming going on early on. They they do mention Kilgrave, uh, the Purple Man, mm-hmm. who is in the next, is in issue four. I was going to say uh, one thing that's funny is um, a lot of these guys in the first few issues how they end up meeting Daredevil to begin with is mm-hmm. they seek Matt, they seek Matthew, <laughs> they seek Murdoch, Nelson and Murdoch for legal advice. Yeah. And they, they normally do it by going, uh, yeah. I need a lawyer. That one. Yeah. That one and and they randomly pick him. And, and it was no different with the owl either. Yeah. The owl, um, is being arrested and, and the officers tell him you need to get a lawyer. And he's like, nah, I'm good. And he's like, no, you're gonna need a lawyer. Yeah. So then he just randomly searches through and says, I'll take these guys. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Matt, Matthew Murdoch jumps on the case right away because he had heard some rumor yeah. and some rumor about uh, the owl. Yeah, and isn't that when uh, that's when Foggy's like, I, I can't do this. I'm really busy with something yeah, else. yeah. <laughs> um, too, too much going on. Too, I'm really busy, guys. Yeah. Come on. The um, I love how Neymar uh, selects them because he he get he wants legal counsel. He comes um, in, uh, which uh, is one of my favorite ones of the early issues. Was the it's Namor. issue seven? Issue seven. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's still... Um, oh, no, that isn't. I guess we should should wrap up and say that uh, Orlando and Coletto only last for issues two, three, and four. And then okay. in issue five, uh, Stanley's still around and um, Wally Wood, Wallace Wood, starts doing the artwork. And it doesn't change too much, but it becomes a little more... Um, it's a little more like 1950s. Characters look a little sleeker. Yeah, everyone's a little sleeker. There's a yeah. little more advertising. All the buildings are suddenly cleaner and the, the streets are less cluttered. And um, there's a lot of weird shifts in perspective as well. Like um, Daredevil in one issue throws a woman in front of a, uh, onto an awning when a car's about to hit her. And the size of the building is tiny compared to if you <laughs> just <laughs> lands on the awning. And you're like, ah. Um, but um, um, uh, yeah, Wallywood uh, is issue five, which has one of the worst uh, villains in this oh. early section. Yeah, me, me and Jamie, we, we agreed about this. <laughs> we, it was fun knowing that we were going to go over the first uh, 12 issues or so of Daredevil for this podcast. We, we both agreed that, that the, probably the worst villain, <laughs> that, that, that at least <laughs> in Daredevil, mm-hmm. uh, that would be the masked matador. Mm-hmm. The and, bullfighter. Yes. And he's, uh, the entire uh, drive for him is that at some stage people said he was too arrogant and that they started cheering on the bull. So he decided <laughs> he'd become a criminal to teach them. And I remember too, kind of, when he des- when he decides to give it up, he gets injured. Mm-hmm. And because he turns away from the bull and he's getting mad at the audience saying, yes. no, you guys, you know, you should be cheering me, basically. Yeah. And then the bull hits him in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, he's pretty lame. They, they, he decides that he's going to rob the one place that no one else has robbed yet, which is a uh, burglary alarm <laughs> factory, which <laughs> I can't think of any value to that at all unless you're planning it's to... It's showing his power. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he's, you know what, I can rob any place, including yeah. a place that has burglar alarms. Yeah, and he, he does it by somersaulting over the uh, the barbed wire fence on his sword, which you think he could come up with something a little more. <laughs> I mean, that move is pretty impressive for a burglary alarm. Um, he kind of comes and goes pretty quickly, um, but I think this is the first time that they touch on the radar sense. Uh, yes, and, and and especially dealing with the weaknesses involved with mm-hmm. the radar sense, like how it kind of gets uh, debu- debuckled. The um, he's at a party. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Karen Page is supposed to go to the party with Foggy. Foggy can't make it in time, so Matt Murdock, very excitedly, because yeah. the chance to have his arm around Karen, takes Karen to this party until mm-hmm. Foggy's going to get there, and it happens to be a, a, a you know, costume party, costume party yeah. which is a perfect place for the mass matador to try to rob because <laughs> everyone's going to be dressed in costume, so they're not going to notice <laughs> notice the matador. And while he's there, uh, he realizes that the mass matador is, is indeed robbing a safe that's in the back wall, and nobody's noticing it because he's just all in leaning party against mode. the wall, casually yeah, opening casually the, safe. Open the, the safe. So Daredevil tries to go after him, but but this is what I uh, what I'm talking about with weaknesses here. It's difficult for him because there's so much commotion in the room, so much dialogue happening, people talking that he's not able to focus that radar sense. And they actually use a couple panels mm-hmm. where they describe how the radar sense works and how it's getting disrupted by all the commotion that's yeah. happening. So it causes uh, Daredevil to not be able to uh, basically get the foe in this instance. Yeah. It's kind of a cool little thing to describe how it works. Yeah, and it's the first time you see the the, the kind of sonar uh, depiction of It's the, like uh, echolocation yeah. that animal that some animals uh, mm-hmm. are able to use. Yeah. 
Yeah, I dug that. Was uh, I think that was my favorite part. That and the the burglary alarm. That's <laughs> just fantastic. Great um, writing right there, my yeah. friend. Yeah. Um, and Daredevil beats him quite easily because he's the matador. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, I, I love, I love just real quick. When you first see the mass matador, he's out in the street, and there is a, a vehicle that's coming towards him, and and the driver says, "Oh no! Like I'm not going to be able. Obviously, he has enough time to tell this whole big long speech, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to be able to get out of the way in time. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to have to like sw- like slam on the brakes and you know." sway out of the way to not hit him. And so the masked matador basically throws the, the cape or, or throws the, the red blanket on top of the, uh, the window of the car and it crashes. Yeah. And that's what he does. Yeah. And Daredevil is <laughs> standing by observing this and he's, and he's using his Daredevil senses to observe it. And he says something like, oh, the, the matador, I've heard about this guy. I'm, I'm curious to see what he does. Yeah. <laughs> he just watches him. The, the next issue, issue six, still uh, Lee Wood and um, uh, Rosen doing lettering, um, is the Fellowship of Fear issue, which is the first time we see a kind of a, a, a gang go up against Daredevil. And it's, um, it's a new character and two uh, established characters, uh, lightly established characters that that kind of come in and um mr fear has one of the best as in I, his name is uh where is it it's zoltan drago <laughs> and he's a, a waxworks yes artist yeah. <laughs> who uh is trying to develop a formula to bring the waxworks to life and i genius yeah is it that he wants them as servants or is it that he just uh, yeah, wants he, to make more he, money he, because i think he wants them as servants because he wants people to follow him as a leader oh okay and uh, yeah, good luck with that. So, um, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, so in lieu of being able to uh, bring his mannequins to life that he makes, uh, he discovers this, um, this I guess you call it a fear toxin potion yeah. by accident when I believe his, his cat, cat knocks, over, knocks over a vial of liquid <laughs> and it scares him. And then he realizes, ooh. So he refines it and creates these um, these fear pellets mm-hmm. that he shoots in a regular gun. So versus shooting a bullet to kill <laughs> to kill the whoever you're trying to stop, you want to just hit him with this little pellet that'll you know make him go afraid when they when they're in the fear gas. Yeah. So he so he does that and ends up getting enlisting help of two characters, one called the Ox, who is this really brute, strong, just behemoth of a man. Mm. And he's kind of, he's like, a, I think he's a Spider-Man villain and he has that yeah. typical strong Spider-Man, like the Rhino and those kind mm-hmm. of characters, which I'm sure they were just churning out. Um, yeah. Think of any big animal and throw a Spider-Man at that stage. Um, and he is, he is preternaturally strong and, and, and like punches through walls. And, uh, oh, yeah. He's very strong, but yeah. but because Daredevil is so his reflexes are so good, yeah, he's able to jo- to dodge all of these uh, these punches. Yeah, and he, he he beats him up um, and throws him down a flight of stairs. Yeah, and the ox uh, towards the end, the ox walks up, and it's only at that point that he realizes that he's actually been beaten into unconsciousness and falls over. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> he realized he can't go on anymore. Yeah, um, the other goon. That Mr. Fear enlists is the eel. Yeah. Great character. Great character. <laughs> no sarcasm. There no, at he's all. fantastic. He's fantastic. <laughs> he's he's he wears this this green, almost lizardy type looking suit mm-hmm. and 
eel, you, you know, when you think of an eel, you think of how slippery they are. Well, mm-hmm. basically, his suit is covered in this slippery serum or something that makes <laughs> it really hard to hold on to. Yeah. And Daredevil firsthand witnesses this several on several occasions during this issue, where he just can't quite get a hold of the eel because yeah. it's too slippery. Yeah, <laughs> but he uses that to his advantage because uh, he realizes that the eel... Uh, being so slippery, it means that he can't hold on to Daredevil when they're fighting. So yeah, he's um, able to get away. <laughs> and doesn't he? He throws like a bucket of sand over him. Yes, <laughs> yeah, to make him less slippery. <laughs> it's it's genius. It's genius. I think the eel has a good name as well. Let me look up that one. That one is uh, um, oh no, he's Leopold Strike Strikey um, Strike, I guess. Um, um, but the guy who takes up the mantle, Edward Laville. Love eel. They're really good at coming up with names yeah. over there, Marvel, Mr. Um, Stanley. Mr. Fear seemed like, I, it's a shame because he seemed like he would be, and I know that they use him later on uh, more effectively, but mm-hmm. he seemed like the perfect, if they'd come up with a better story, he would have been the perfect fall because Daredevil was the man without fear and the idea of right. introducing someone who can make you afraid. And he even the, the, the way he enlists the help of eel and ox is to make them scared for a bit. And then, yeah. I mean, this is all the way through. He keeps saying, "Like quiet, you, otherwise I'll make you scared again." Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we, oh, we sorry. don't want to get scared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let me let me back off. Um, and he <laughs> makes this kind of crazy mask out of wax that yeah. must have been heavy. He actually, if you take a look at his appearance, he actually of everyone has actually a really cool villain appearance because mm-hmm. that mask and the the hood and the and the long jacket yeah. thing that he wears. Um, I actually like the way that he looks. It was also cool when you're in his headquarters or his hideout in the wax museum, it was neat because he had made wax sculptures of a whole bunch of, um, different Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to see, yeah. you, you know, Spider-Man, the fantastic to see all of those guys yeah. there. It, 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 I, I, there's a couple cool panels that are drawn there. Yeah. I think that's the first time that you see Daredevil with another costumed character. I know it's not really them, but he, he, he's, he's met the fantastic four as, Matt Murdock, but he doesn't interact with any of the other um, established superheroes for for most of the the first twelve issues, if not beyond that, I think. Right. Um, but he the the way that uh, Matt gets in, or Daredevil, I should say, make sure that we differentiate between yeah. <laughs> the personas. Um, the way that Daredevil uh, kind of cap hears their plans and captures them is to stand still in the waxworks museum <laughs> and pretend to be a yeah. statue yeah. and uh, isn't it the the setup is that they want Daredevil to come to the the waxworks museum and they say if i build a waxwork waxworks figure of Daredevil and everyone hears that he's here they'll want to see it and he'll want to see it that's how we're going to get him it's, something, <laughs> it's it's like the most it's a couple of leaps to yeah. get in there, but they fight and they punch and then Daredevil wins. And, and this was the issue where Foggy decided to uh, be, you know, be the tough guy and, and yes. go, go to the wax museum. Because yeah. when he was there before, uh, when they had the like uh, Foggy and Karen and Matt all go to the wax museum when Mister Fear announces through the newspaper, I believe that the Daredevil statue or wax figure is going to be premiered there. So they all go there, and that's when Foggy sees Mister Fear. In the in like a, like in the background through an open doorway, yeah. and he's like, "Oh my goodness, is that Mister Fear? Well, I'm gonna come back later tonight when when everyone's gone to, to see if I'm right. Yeah. So that way I can tell authorities or, or yeah. whatever. They do that a lot with uh, with both Karen and Foggy, where they have to 
they have to get them into a position of danger. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the, the Kilgrave, uh, the, the Purple Man one, he says, oh, I'm going to take you as my secretary. So she's there and she's... Mm-hmm. So, so th- there's always the, the person in distress, that one of his two closest and, friends. And it's cool because Foggy ends up getting injured in this and he goes <laughs> to the hospital and when, when he's there and Matt shows up and and uh, Karen is already there at, at, at the bedside in the hospital, you kind of... Re- the, the relationships kind of take a little bit of a turn there mm-hmm. where I think Karen realizes that, you know, since Matt doesn't want to fix his vision, he obviously doesn't want to be with me. So, you know, maybe, maybe foggy isn't that bad of a guy. Yeah. It's kind of that, what's that effect where nurses fall for the patients? Um, I, uh, I, I forget. Yeah. But, 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 but anyways, it, it's a little bit backwards, but that's kind of the deal where, you know, once he's injured, he starts to kind of fall you know, f- or she starts to fall for him for mm-hmm. him a little bit more there, and obviously Daredevil through his inner dialogue realizes yeah. this. Like, oh boy, like you know, if there was any thought in my head that she did actually like me, well, that's gone now. Yeah. Seeing her here with Foggy, yeah, <laughs> and and also he he thinks that she doesn't like him because he was afraid from Mister Fear's pellet. Yeah, the 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 idea that Daredevil might be a, a a coward, and I think that's something that comes up. And yeah, and that's actually a good point because. Early on, Daredevil really cared what people thought about him, mm-hmm. yeah. Because he wanted to make a point, you know, you know, when he sees newspaper headlines and he hears people talking, including you know Karen and Foggy, saying things like, "Oh, you know, Daredevil was was so afraid," and you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. And his uh, Matt's internal dialogue is thinking, "Oh my goodness, you know, these people think I'm a coward. This is terrible." I've got to basically beat him now where everyone can see me beating him so they know I'm super tough, mm-hmm. which is the complete opposite of what a hero usually is. They don't care yeah. about any of that stuff. Yeah. But in this er- these earlier issues, it's very important for Daredevil to be seen you know, for himself in that really high light. Yeah, and that's, that's why I think they, they kind of created him as like a, a very, he's very Spider-Man-like, but he has some big stark differences from Spider-Man. They, they have a lot of the, the, the attempts at being kind of funny and... Uh, uh, talking and and uh, quips while you're punching people is is very much like a a standard fixture for both of them. But there's there's an incredible amount of confidence in Daredevil and and also um, he's liked. He's very well liked by the public and by the police. The police are like there's a couple of moments where the police come up and there's like three people unconscious and Daredevil says like these are the bad guys and they're like well that's good enough for me (laughs) (laughs) which is the complete opposite of the the Spider-Man dynamic where he's always running from the law and being blamed they they do uh, flip it at one point where um, let me see where that was I think that was in was it in the uh, the one with the um, the organizer the two part organizer story yeah, the, um, the two-part organizer story where they think that Daredevil might have gone bad, which is the issue 10 and 11, I believe. Before we move on to uh, the next issue, issue 7, mm-hmm. with a Submariner, uh, another power that Matt's used a few times that we didn't talk about. We did talk about his sense of touch, but there are several occasions where he uses his fingers to to basically read newspapers and to mm-hmm. read books that aren't Braille mm-hmm. because he can with his finger touch the the printing of you know ink on a page 
and it just lifts enough that he's able to run his fingers across the the, the words on the page and read them. Yeah. And he can apparently do it faster than humans can with their eyes, which yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> but he's able to uh, read ink on pages with his fingers. Yeah, and that sticks around. That's that's something that's all that, like mm-hmm. that, like you say, the, the powers or the abilities change. They come and go and they're very dependent on what's needed at that moment. But that one definitely sticks around. Um, and it's whenever he is reading a brow book, he always thinks to himself, Look yeah. at these people. They think I need brow. I could yeah. read this if it was a normal book. <laughs> he's incredible. It's kind of funny because he's incredibly arrogant in his internal dialogue and in his uh, Daredevil persona. And then they never play him as being boring, um, which is something that they used to play a lot where there was a secret identity. It was always like, oh, you're, you're boring. If only you were more like the superhero. They always like this poor guy, this poor, incredible handsome smart erudite guy who's blind yeah <laughs> he's i feel so bad for him and there's 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 great moments throughout where someone will start to say uh um oh oh sorry it's because you're uh and then they'll stumble and go uh yeah never mind and like no one can even say the word blind <laughs> it's yeah. kind of crazy how uh yeah it's kind of like the heightened senses match the heightened sense of that being a disability even though he's like constantly uh fine he's yeah and he, he only uses like uh there's moments where he'll suddenly say oh i need to go and change um if i just pretend that i fell over because i'm blind then no <laughs> one will suspect a thing and it's like yeah. there's only three people there it's, what right. are you doing <laughs> yeah um the yeah the the, the name also mariner uh issue um again lee wood and uh, different letter in this time rt uh, Simek, I care about letters. Shout out, of course, <laughs> um, definitely. Is uh, it's it's a favorite of this period, the Silver Age yeah, period. People it's love it. It's a very it. good issue, and I I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it just. I mean, Namor is one of those characters that is is absurdly fun, and he just spends the whole time just. He'll say some, He'll say someone. What's the time? And I'll say, oh, I think it's this. Uh, shut up. You, I, you're taking too long. Yeah. I don't have time for this. <laughs> and uh, he pretty much does that. Like he's down in Atlantis hanging out with the Atlanteans. And uh, someone says something. And he's like, don't be stupid. We can't do that. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. go up. And the whole, the whole point of the issue is that he thinks he has a claim to the surface world. Yeah. Um, he, wants, he wants to sue them. He wants to sue mankind. Sue for, mankind, yeah. <laughs> so he comes up and walks around and... Uh, my favorite sequence is when he goes into the building to to find a lawyer because he decides yeah. I should respect man because uh, so I'll play their game. I'll get a lawyer and tell them I want to sue mankind. Yeah. So he walks up to a revolving door and he's like, what is this strange door? Yeah. I, I don't have time to work this out. I'll just, and he just smashes it. And then he, and then he, he goes inside and there's an elevator. Yeah. And the, like Namor waits for nobody. He yeah. doesn't want to wait for the elevator to go down. So he rips the doors open pulls on the, ele- on the elevator cable and pulls down the, yeah. the, the cart so he can get on Yeah, it. He, get, he like opens the thing and says, it must be on another floor. I don't yeah. wait. Yeah, pulls it down. Wait. He goes, when, when I take over the world, no one will wait. And that was another random chance that he ends up picking Nelson yeah. and Murdoch. He goes, I need a lawyer. I need a lawyer. Uh, there must be one in this building. No, yeah. he actually says, there's a big building. There must be lawyers in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he goes in and uh, he gets arrested and he decides that he'll go along with the the ruse of being or the the, the sham of 
man arresting him and like they put him in shackles and he's like no that's not going to work and just breaks the handcuffs and says mm-hmm. Namor, cha- Namor is chained by no man or something yeah. like that um, and he goes to jail and Matt convinces him even though every time he says anything to him Namor's like shut up you fool you don't know what you how dare you talk to me like that <laughs> yeah. um, he convinces him to wait for 24, 24 hours, hours right. to get in front of a judge and I believe like the judge says something like don't be absurd you can't do that yeah <laughs> Uh, and they say, we're busy, it's going to take a week. So he breaks out, and then it's all about Namor basically returning to... Yeah, he finds out that he's being double-crossed in Atlantis, and he has to return yeah. to protect his people. Yeah, and it's his, his general who, he uh, before he left, he sort of thought, this guy's an idiot, but I keep him around because he's my idiot. Um, and they have this great sequence of him just basically walking from the jail to... To the the riverfront, army and gets involved. The army gets and, involved, yeah. and Daredevil is trying to stop him. And it, it, it's really like the first epic fight scene, I think, yeah. in all the Daredevil comics that we've read so far. Where, I mean, obviously Daredevil through every fight always talks while he's fighting or yeah. his internal monologues saying like, I can stop him if I can just do this, if I can just do that. Yeah. And that was no different in this one. But he actually is facing a foe that is way stronger than him, and creatively finding ways to to basically stop him. Yeah. Like at one point when Namor, who can, uh, he can't fly very far, but he can fly a little bit with, yeah. his, with his ankle wings. Yeah. And Daredevil, you know, jumps up and catches his legs and realizes that if he takes his hand and puts him over Namor's ankles and his little wings aren't, <laughs> aren't uh, <laughs> yeah. out and about, he's not going to be able to fly. Yeah. So then, you know, he's able to bring him down. Of course, yeah. they both crash and, and Namor gets out of there. But yeah, it was an epic fight. It, it mm-hmm. was fun. And um, I think this is the this is the the first red costume. It issue. is. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is the first uh, and, and first time we see Daredevil wear the red costume, and I have I have the page pulled up right here, and I just think it's funny. They don't describe why his costume changed. Really, this was the only description that they got. Daredevil, he's standing there in front of a window, and he's got which is very common in these first few issues. Whenever you see, they like to show his shadow a lot. So he's standing in front of a window. We see a shadow of him on the wall, and this is what he's internally thinking. He goes, I've secretly worked for months to redesign my fighting costume to make it more comfortable, more distinctive, but I never expected to wear it against such a fantastic foe. And that was the only explanation we got as to why he went from yellow and black to red. Mm-hmm. For months. For months. <laughs> <laughs> the best uh, seamstress, seamster yeah. in, the, in the world <laughs> for months. Um, and it does also, it starts to, um, they, they've, they've done it a few times in the past about his Billy Club having all these weird contraptions, but it's, I think this is the first time it has the, the hook and the cable. Oh, yeah, he's able to, uh, what does he hook on? He just fires it like a grappling hook and, and oh, swings around, right, right. and it's yeah, the first yeah. time you see that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't know if it's just to, to get him, and he even says something like, this should get me moving around a little quicker, I don't have to rely on flagpoles and stuff yeah. <laughs> i hope there's a flagpole there is, is a, a line that he constantly says in there but daredevil ends up surviving the fight because namor decides that you know he's a worthy opponent yeah. and i don't want to destroy him because you know people like him you know should be around and yeah. this is actually when the fight ends up being in the water mm-hmm. when, and daredevil realizes I have no shot against fighting the submariner in yeah. the water he's at full strength and i can barely move in here um, so that Namor is like, you know what? I like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll come back to the land and I'll leave you alone. You're yeah. good. You can Doesn't leave. he throw him out or he just pushes him away? I can't remember. 
I know that there's, uh, I can't remember if it's in this issue, this issue or a later one, but there is a discrepancy in how his uh, radar sense works underwater. I think it's in this one where he goes in and he's like, I, I'm practically blind. There's, my radar sense is useless underwater. Or it might be in the owl issue. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, that's how he stops the owl, too, Yeah, in the water. He's trying to get away from the boat, and he uses his cane to yeah. stop the propeller. Mm-hmm. And we also don't know at the end of that issue if the, if the owl survived or not. That's right, yeah, yeah. which happens uh, a fair amount, actually. Yeah. They, they do go through them pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, I think in this one, it's either, I may be jumping around, but this one or the, the later ones where he goes in and he suddenly says, you know, in water my, my radar becomes sonar or... Some line like that. So they're, they're like I said, um, they're working on what the powers actually are, what the abilities actually are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but issue seven, I really enjoyed, and mainly because of Namor. But it was a good one, and it, and it's, I think they touch on this a lot. Where, like you said, the 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 idea of people far stronger than him and with actual powers in this world will fight him and beat him, and then go, he's he's too good an opponent. I don't mm-hmm. want to destroy him. I'm going right. to let him live. And it, it happens later on as well a few times. <clears throat> um, it also gives Daredevil a chance to be creative to beat these guys because yeah. it's, you know, uh, you know, in the past it was always just who can outpunch the other person. Mm-hmm. This is, he has to be creative and he has to find ways to stop the villain, you know, when brute force isn't going to be enough. Yeah. And he gets lo- knocked out quite a lot. He yeah. does. Um, but he recovers faster than any normal human would. Almost as fast as he does costume changes. Yeah. Because he does those very fast, very, very quickly. Fast. In fact, he does it sometimes, several times on one page. Yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> moments where he's like, like, well, I better I be this switch guy. back to my Matt Murdock clothes <laughs> so I can walk from this building to the other building. And then when he's in that building, okay, now i got to quickly change back into my Daredevil album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the next issue, issue eight, introduces everyone's favorite villain. Oh, definitely my favorite. Stiltman. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stiltman. Stiltman makes an appearance. And uh, I, they don't use his real name. I, I, oh, no, they do. They, they yeah, reveal who he is in they, the next yeah, issue. He, well, he was the... He was... Um, wasn't he the person that... Uh, they ends do, up hiring Matt. Yeah, they do a red heron. Yeah, yeah, they do. The, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He hires Matt to be his lawyer to sue this other person who he says stole his ideas. That's right. And stole the stole the uh, the technology, um, which gives a stilt man his power, yeah. which is being able to Wilbur Day. Wilbur Day mm-hmm. being able to grow really really tall or shrink really really low by. Hydro- hydraulic legs that he can jump up and down. In fact, that's how he gets away from Daredevil sometimes, too. Yeah, he just drops down. He drops down. Where'd he go? Uh, oh, my God. Um, there's there's a great image of him walking across over a bridge. <laughs> yeah. And I kept looking at it thinking, like, how does it work? Does he lift the leg up really quickly and then before he falls over, drops it down the other side? Or does he have to do this cumbersome <laughs> oh, lift not... over? And there's... Uh, he's, yeah, you're, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. He's ridiculous. Eye, <laughs> he is a ridiculous character. And the... You know, he robs a helicopter, and the people yeah. in the helicopter are like, "Oh my God, we better do what he says," yeah. <laughs> because he's standing there. <laughs> because, because his armor makes him bulletproof. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Helicopters famously uh, no, the only vehicle that can only go in one direction and has to stop, <laughs> like a stop. train, if right. something is in front of them. Um, it's it's an it's an okay issue. You kind of feel like. Um, I don't know if this is true, but it felt like Stan Lee was probably very busy <laughs> at this stage. And, and most of these issues, it feels like he's very busy and he's just kind of like 
visit in it after he's written about five or six other scripts and just throws whatever in. And, <laughs> and um, I don't think it's uh, Wallywood's last one. He has a couple more after that. There's a few more. He writes one as well. But he does um, the artwork in the next issue, in issue nine, is uh, Wallywood on layouts and uh, Bobby Powell um, picking up the slack, I guess, doing pencils and then, I guess, wood inked over him. Um, so he's kind of slowing down um, his involvement. Um, the next issue, issue nine, has an attempt to kind of come up with a Doctor Doom-like character for Daredevil. And it's another one where you don't see... He beats the villain, but you don't see the ultimate demise. You just get a sense of him falling into a moat full of sharks or something. Right. Um, and it's a terror... I, I can't even remember the guy's name. It's like the Duke or something like that, who is the the reigning monarch of Lichtenbad. Yeah, the murderous menace of the killer's castle. Yes. It's a... Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on yeah. <laughs> this storyline. It's not a good one. They do tie into the whole idea of Karen says uh, there's this doctor, this incredible eye doctor. Then he's the only person in the world, <laughs> in the Marvel Universe world, that can repair uh, Matt's eyes, even yeah. though no one knows why Matt is blind. And he right. has to go and get tested. But he's yeah. the only guy, the guy that can do it. And he, he just now, is so this, happens. Is this different than the person earlier on that he, she's talked about? Because I on, think it's on, the same guy. It's a, okay, so she just keeps pressing the... Yeah. Uh, yeah she the, says, like, the, I've the heard of this there, doctor. Yeah. And um, I, if I remember, she says she's heard of this doctor. I, she may mention his name. And then in this issue, she says, he's just moved to Lichtenberg in, oh. in Europe, which just so happens... The monarch just so happens to be someone that you and Foggy went to college with. So maybe you could meet him and have a word. What, is her, what is her motive for wanting him to get this surgery? Because love. It's all love. love. Even though love is yeah. blind, love yeah, and literally is, cannot is be she blind. She actually, I mean, and, and we've seen this in countless panels. She loves Matt. She does not love Foggy. Yeah. But for some reason, she can't be with him when he's blind. <laughs> And uh, she's constantly worried that she's upset him by suggesting that he could uh, get his eyes fixed. And he, yeah, he, he uh, Matt, and it is Matt, Matt goes to um, visit the doctor mm -hmm. to get his eyes checked to see if they can be repaired. And he finds out that there's this kind of um, crazy, the Duke is kind of crazy and uh, for some reason has a robot army that's attacking people and he's in Lichtenbad even though they don't establish that there's any kind of revolt happening as soon right. as he lands people are like we hate you and you're under arrest and spies are everywhere and um, and he finds the doctor and the, the, the Duke's grand plan is that he's going to get good people that, or people that are good at what they do into Lichtenbad so that it's important is pretty much the gist of it and that way he can take over the world somehow so he's got an eye doctor and a lawyer. And with those two, he'll be unstoppable. Unstoppable. That's the combination right there. <laughs> Even though he has a robot army, a force field, and, is, uh, and, and we discover he's a pretty good fighter, it's the, the doctor, the eye doctor and the blind lawyer that are going to really seal the deal. Yeah. Um, I, this, I kind of was like, really, on this one, this is... And it... it, it it felt like they were just like, we need another Doctor Doomish like character and Lichtenbad. I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do like how it ends. It ends in this kind of funky uh, um, 
the the duke because the robot army gets destroyed by all of the peasants that are released. And also, oh, this was another thing that I found interesting. The way that um, uh, Daredevil escapes is something that they used in uh, the, not the new one that's going to come out, but the, the more recent, the, the one before it, Mission Impossible movie, where he's chained to a post and he uses his strength to pull himself up over the post Oh, and then right, flip right, yeah, over yeah. with a chain. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if... Uh, if they stole that from... Uh, Christopher McQuarrie is a, a Daredevil <laughs> fan. <laughs> specifically... Daredevil issue nine. Yeah. Ah, he likes the Duke. Yeah, <laughs> so it's kind of a nice little uh, little moment. But um, the the Duke, realizing that he's foiled, that the eye doctor and the lawyer are not going to deliver the well to him, decides that he's going to kill everybody. <laughs> and not just everybody that's in Lichtenbad, yeah. but everybody in the world. It's the perfect typical response. Yeah. So he's like, if, if I can't have it, you can't have it. And he decides he's going to release a cobalt cloud over the world, and that will kill everybody. Not quite sure on the science of that one. I need to <laughs> maybe if uh, anyone knows on that, if anyone yeah, is yeah, a, yeah. a chemist. or um, <laughs> So he starts this nuclear reactor, um, nuclear reaction guy and then a nuclear reactor. And the eye doctor, the only person that could repair Matt's vision in the entire Marvel Universe. This is the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. where Mr. Fantastic lives. And right. <laughs> the only person, this doctor, that could fix it, saves the day by um, removing the nuclear rods with a couple of handles <laughs> from the, uh, the reactor and uh, dies. And dies very heroically saving the world yeah and unfortunately this means that matt cannot have that surgery matt will karen always page be is gonna have to you know stick with foggy yeah maybe maybe <laughs> foggy isn't so bad yeah, i think I, someone even says yeah, that at some point. He's, he's not so bad now <laughs> um and the the next two issues uh and i think this is the first time it happens issue 10 leading into 11 is the first time that they have a direct like this will be concluded in the next right a continued yeah. issue correct because before that they'd all been contained but 10 and 11 uh, issue 10 was written by wally wood um maybe stan was very busy that month spider-man's taking up his time and um uh, but issue 11 wasn't written by wally wood stan lee makes a point of mentioning that he has to wrap the whole thing up um and says it nobody can do it the way stan can no so uh, even though Wallywood's still involved, he is the writer, artist on issue 10, and he is the inker on issue 11. Um, Bobby Powell, Bob Powell, uh, doing more of the artwork. And it goes back to, um, uh, from issue 8, the, the letter is, still, um, is uh, Rosen, uh, Sam Rosen. Um, the, the next two issues, issue 10 and 11, and it's the first, it's, this one is really different. This one, like... It, for me shows the end of this early period for him because it's it's very it's like still that swanky part of manhattan and it's mm-hmm. all about socialites and it's all about uh, politics and this group that the um the reform party i believe they're called um wanting to take over new york and then possibly the world after that um by getting into politics and loading the uh the the new york senate and the house with their their own people and they approach foggy to be the district attorney (laughs) so there's a lot of tension where matt is trying to say foggy i think you could be a great district attorney i just think these guys are 
are using you and he's like you you're just jealous yeah and, always comes back to the, to the <laughs> <laughs> you don't want me to succeed you don't want me to be successful yeah. you're just you just because you're the better lawyer mm-hmm. just because i spend all the time on and phones, remember and at, I'm busy. at this point foggy hasn't really done any type of lawyer stuff no he's basically just been there doing something that he's we answered don't the know. phone that's yeah. all he's done so far <laughs> though, answer the phone and say i'm busy secretary. yeah <laughs> and I mean, like, it, every time you see him, he is on the phone saying, I'm not going to take that case or I'm right. too busy to do that. So um, the, it introduces the organizer as the villain, who is this um, kind of uh, Cobra Commander hooded person that appears on a TV monitor <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tells everyone what they're going to do. And then um, the great mystery is like, which one of these socialites might be the organizer? Join us yeah. as we try Join to. Us next week. <clears throat> um, but they do introduce four of the. I mean, these these henchmen are like masters of the universe level ridiculous. They are, and I I wrote down one of them is called Catman. And hits a guy with a mustache, and that's the that's the only thing that makes him a cat. Apparently, he has a big mustache, and I I really liked the artwork in this. I loved how he drew him, uh, that ca- that character in particular. He always drew him kind of lounging. And there's a moment where Catman gets captured, and he's like basically sent to the police. I don't care. I'll tell you everything. And they draw him in these great poses while he's spilling the beans. And like in one, he's leaning back like, I've got no cares in the world. And in another, he's all hunched forward. Like, they tried to kill me. I'll give you everything. (laughs) Um, But I stopped even trying to remember the other guy's name because they it's 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 bird man frog man and ape man as far as i care <laughs> yeah. and it might they might be their names, might be their names i yeah. i didn't i didn't bother to look up because i just to be honest i was just like eh, whatever and um Birdman, there, there's nothing to make him a Birdman except the um the organizer gives him some wings <laughs> he becomes Birdman. Right. um frogman they kind of wedge in this absurd reason for him to be Frogman, which is that he was a scuba expert in the war and looks a little kind of, his eyes are very bulging. There's a great panel where he's looking at a TV screen and his eye is absurdly huge. It looks like one of those, um, what were those things that were like baseball faces that were like horror faces in the 80s or 90s? I can't even remember what they were called, but I remember seeing the ads for them. But it's it's absurd. It's just yeah. like the the biggest eye you've ever seen and it takes up almost all of the panel and that's frogman because he <laughs> swims yeah, he swims yeah and he he like he gets into one fight and after that he's like I, i'm not a good fighter I, do, I can't do this this is this is dangerous um and ape man is just the typical he's a big guy and yeah he's strong. another brute yeah another brute mm-hmm. um and they have this whole thing of they introduce this other woman who comes in who might be a love interest for Foggy, so there's like that nice it's, dynamic there. Yeah. And suddenly, excuse me, suddenly um, Karen is like, oh, do I like Foggy? <laughs> yeah, whenever that, uh, when, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they start singing at each other in one panel, yeah. like they're talking to each other like, oh, really? Yes, really? And it's like very <laughs> absurd. Um, yeah, that, that, that fourth love yeah possible. it's taken the triangle turned it into a square and now we don't know what's going to happen yeah <laughs> um but they wrap this up pretty quickly and or, or stan comes yeah. in and saves the day by writing the the issue 11 um the we find out who the organizer is it's not that interesting it's one of the one of the members of the reform party and right. they find him because um daredevil dresses up as 
God, I can't remember. Is it Frogman? Does he dress up as Frogman and go around pretending that he's set explosives or something? And, yeah, I think so. And then the police come in and go, well, that's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> <Arrest> <laughs> Man, <laughs> yeah, police in the first few issues, they don't really think for themselves. No. They kind of need these superheroes yeah. to tell them how to think. Yeah. The, in fact, don't they even... they This gets because uh, in issue uh, 10, they think he might be involved and they think he's a criminal. And then he dresses Frogman in his costume and drops Frogman at the steps of the police station. Showing that, no, it was Frogman all along. And says, like, yeah. he, he said, and they're like, oh, De- look, the, finally they've captured Daredevil, the criminal. And then there's a note that says, hey, guys, it's me, Daredevil. This is someone in my costume. Look after it for me. And they're like, oh, right, well, yeah. obviously Daredevil's still a good <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good guy. Yeah, it was Frogman all along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, it, it's one of the, it's like, there's some really nice artwork in these. I want to mm-hmm. say that they, they, Bollywood is like a yeah. really f- good, fine line artist, and he's uh, the form of people in it is really fun to look at. It's right. really well colored. It's really, I don't even know who the colorist is. I don't think they they credited color colorists, or, or maybe they've been recolored. I don't know because I'm looking at them on the um, Marvel Unlimited app. Yeah, I think they may have been recolored because they look so. Uh so clean. Yeah, and but back they, in the day they were not that clean. No, they were very. They were the, the, the kind of dotted artwork. But I, it's re- they're really nice um, issues to look at. But the story is kind of like neither here nor there. But it does end with um, uh, Matt deciding that he needs to leave the firm. That he's holding everyone back, and he, he needs to get away. If if Foggy and Karen have any chance of being an item, he needs to leave. So yeah. he leaves, and Foreign and. Uh, Karen and, and Foggy look on and are like, Foggy thinks, um, should I, I, am I being terrible for not stopping him? Am I being a terrible friend? Should I shouldn't be letting him go, but I do want to be with Karen. And Karen keeps thinking, I've lost Matt. Sh- should I say something? No, I shouldn't. You know, other than the, other than the point when um, Foggy tells Daredevil, this was one of the earlier issues, when he tells Daredevil that he's thinking about proposing. Yeah. At any point, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I do not remember Foggy and Matt having a conversation, saying uh, where where Matt says I have feelings for for her too. Yeah, no, he never does. Yeah, because he doesn't want Foggy to know that he also feels yeah. that way. So I don't see why, like Foggy feels like he can't be with Karen when Matt's in the picture. Yeah, because Matt even says any, to him, "You should, you should propose." Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because Matt has never threatened it. Now, obviously, Foggy sees that. Matt is the better specimen in terms uh-huh. of physique and intelligence. He does walk in on them where Matt is feeling her, Karen's her face, face. Yeah. yeah, and he thinks that they've been kissing. But then at the same time, I think Matt walks in on Karen kissing Foggy on the cheek. Right. And there's a moment where they're, they're, everyone's really super awkward. Right. So I think we should just go with the idea that there's a lot of dialogue that happens outside of these issues yeah. in the quote unquote real world where that's not captured. Yeah. Where they discussed all this stuff yeah. because sometimes the, the relationship ends up getting a little bit forced. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and it plays out in their internal yeah. monologues rather than in any but, kind of but conversation. It, it's a great side piece in these issues, though. It's, yeah. When, whenever I hear Karen thinking, I'm always like, "All right, what, <laughs> what is she thinking about now? You yeah. know, how much does she like Matt, and how much does she say that he can't see?" Yeah, and I did wonder. I wondered if, like, as a, a like an eight-year-old or ten-year-old kid back then, if you read these books, you were like, "Oh man, they're talking about the loving stuff again. Get to the fighting." That's or a really good point because really I didn't it. read these till I was I was older. So yeah, yeah. If, if I was a kid during that time, I wonder how 
You're, you're probably right. That's, yeah. that's interesting. And by the time we started, it was very established that yeah. Matt was it was a, a pretty much a romantic lead. You know, he right. had he had a had a relationship with Karen, and he had um, he Electra comes on the scene. Mm-hmm. So there's a um, there's a lot of that going on. Um, to wrap up on this early run, issue twelve is um, Matt leaves the firm, and and Wally Wood leaves the book. Um, mm-hmm. So issue twelve is actually Kirby um, doing layouts, right? Um, and I think there was, um, and you you can correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone that's listening, the idea was that Kirby was the house style at that stage, and there was a push for everyone to kind of uh, mimic that style or at least go towards that that mighty Marvel style of of, of drawing. And he did a lot of layouts for a lot of books at that stage, um, but the artist that joins. And this is the first Marvel book that he's done, is uh, John Romita, senior. Yeah, senior. <clears throat> and um, his his artwork is very um, Kirby esque in this this run, and it's very, it reminded me a lot of. Um, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name now. Oh dear, um, the guy who did the Nick Fury, uh, Jim Starenko. Mm. Uh, when he when he took over on Nick Fury or uh, Strange Tales, I think it was at that stage, he pretty much did his version of Kirby as well for the first few issues, and it took a while for that style to develop. And I and uh, John Romita has said in the past what he took over on uh, Spider Man, he felt like he should ape uh, Steve Ditko's style. So there's like a sense of. Uh, from the stuff I've read of, of John Romita, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of his artwork. I yeah. love his artwork. Um, I get a real sense that he's kind of considered the the soldier of of Marvel in that he follows orders, he does what he needs to do, and he gets the job done. And um, Lee, uh, Stan Lee, was clashing with people at that stage, specifically uh, Steve Ditko and, and Stan Lee were having a lot of disagreements about how to do Spider-Man. Um, I think... Uh, uh, Kirby was such a force that sometimes Lee might have felt like he needed to back away from him and let him do, do his own thing. But I get the impression that John Romita was like a real steady hand there. Um, and the artwork in issue 12 is very, like the di- the, dynamis- the dynamism is very Kirby-esque, but it's still John Romita. And it's it's a great looking book. It's uh, um, yeah. it's uh, Stan, um, uh, Matt Murdock decides that he's going to go on a, uh, cruise to get over leaving the law firm yeah. so he jumps on a boat and the way he does it is he <laughs> sends all his stuff ahead and then hangs around just to mope and, or just to think and, yeah. and like work out or something um, and then suddenly he realizes he's got five minutes to get across town so he dresses into the devil costume and, and rides a couple of cars on the roofs across town and then changes somehow really quickly <laughs> one minute to go and then everyone's like oh there's a blind man trying to get on everyone yeah, stop we, the ship yeah, stop the ship we gotta get him on and so you get him on and they introduce um he, he goes on this cruise and they introduce this uh, absurd uh, pirate that's going to take over who is called the the plunderer and i believe his name is actually plunder something plunder um oh it is oh yeah, yeah his, last his name, actual yeah, name yeah. and um he takes him to the savage land where we see Kazar, who is um, a... He'd been in X-Men uh, before that. He'd been X-Men number 10, I believe, uh, when they'd gone to the Savage Land. Savage Land is a prehistoric uh, pocket of Earth in the Marvel 616 world. 
um, which you can get to by going under the Arctic Circle or something. I, it's, I can't remember how you get there, but they, they go to the Savage Land and there's this whole story about Kazar once again being this super strong guy who's much stronger than Daredevil beats him, but says, you know, I, he's an honorable man, so I'm going to rescue him. Right, yeah. Um, and Daredevil loses his radar sense in the fight. He gets hit in the head too hard or something. Um, and we learned something. I can't remember if it's in this one. I read ahead. I'm sorry. I got a little... What? You went, I, you yeah, went ahead? I'm, yeah. Because <laughs> I was kind of interested to see. Um, Kazar's real name apparently is Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe his, his real name is Kevin Plunder. Kevin I Plunder. may be wrong about that. I'm, I'm basing it on the fact that I'm pretty sure the Plunderer's surname is Plunder. And then we discover that they're brothers. Um, I'm going to make sure... And it just feels like that's something that I hope they... Oh, no, he is. He is Kevin. He, they, they, it is canon. I thought maybe they would have uh, got rid of that later down the line. But he is Kevin... Where's his real name? Come on. Kevin Plunder. Lord Kevin Plunder. Um, that's so silly. But I was just... I was so confused when I saw Kevin. And there's this, this panel, I think it's in issue 13, where Daredevil rescues him by saying, Kevin grab onto this yeah. and he's like Kevin Kevin <laughs> <laughs> there's a few times throughout some of these issues where Daredevil realizes that he almost gave his secret identity away obviously yeah. when he's Matt Murdock and he yeah. does something like like catches Karen when she's slipping mm-hmm. and, and he always mentions in it or he's always thinking in his head you know I gotta be more careful yeah because if I don't if I slip up just the wrong way people are gonna you know figure out what yeah. my secret identity is that I'm actually not you know that I well obviously can't see but I can I'm, just as well see. <laughs> yeah, the whole like he uh, Karen says to him at one stage, "You you took those stairs really quickly." Yeah, is it because you come here a lot? And he's like, uh, "Yes, yes. I've got to be careful." <laughs> got to be careful. <laughs> um, anyway, that's the first twelve issues. Um, pretty quick run yeah. through those, and we're we're gonna kind of stick to this format until we get later on and when we start getting to the minutiae. So uh, your favorite issue other than the Submariner one? Because I know that was your favorite issue. Yeah, so which the one Submariner like one was that? really good. Um, I did like that. that um, <laughs> I like the Owl one. I thought yeah. the Owl one was really fun. I think the Owl one is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, of all the villains that they introduced, I, I'm a big fan of the Purple Man kill. Mm-hmm. I really like him, but um, his issue was it was fun. Yeah, but but I think the owl issue was the most well done. What I kind of touched base on it earlier, I really liked how they showed him, you know, figure out or you know go from just being a financial wizard to you know to being like a like a crime lord. Yeah, and how he determined you know like I'm going to get these guys and I'm going to show them how tough I am and they're gonna, they're going to follow me and mm-hmm. I, I I just like that little component. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. So I'd have to go with issue three. And obviously, seven was great too. That the the bat the battle was epic between him and the Submariner. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a lot of fun, a lot of comedy in that one too. Great. I mean, yeah. he just breaks everything, <laughs> anything yeah. that's near him. He just breaks it and just says, "This is in my way. This is slowing me down." Right. Well, um, well before we wrap it up, I, I think we've both prepared a question. To we add, have to ask each other. Yeah. And uh, we're going to try to stump each other on a. Now, this question will be related to the material that we've covered in the specific podcast. So this mm-hmm. is issues one through 12. Mm-hmm. So Jamie, do you want to ask me your question? Sure. First? Um, now, uh, Jack Murdoch, they yes. don't actually use the name Jack in that first Correct. issue. Correct. Yeah. He is they do not. battling Murdoch. He is. Um, he goes by another name during his fights. Do you know what that name is? He goes by another name. Well, it'd have to have been during issue one because 
that was the only time mm-hmm. we actually mentioned him. Oh boy. I, darn it. I, 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 I can't, I, he goes by something other than battling Jack Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Obviously just battling Murdoch, but oh man, I can't remember. I, I'm stumped. You stumped me, Jamie. He goes by Kid Murdoch. Kid Murdoch. Yeah. I think it's uh, no, because he's older. That, okay. And oh, they're playing on the fact that he's an older man. Older. Yeah. Because it's only in the later fights that he is announced as Kid Murdoch. As Kid Murdoch. I did not remember that. Mm. Hmm. Well, you stumped me, Jamie. Good uh, job, buddy. Your turn. <laughs> my turn. Yes. Okay. All right. So Stump away. So my question comes from one of your favorite issues with Stiltman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so basically, I want to know if you remember what device does Daredevil use to track down the Stiltman after he robs money from the Whirlybird? The Whirlybird is the uh, helicopter at the beginning. Yeah. He gets away and Daredevil uses some type of a device to uh, to track him down. Yes, this know. is uh, an addition to the to the Billy Club. After he's added the tape recorder, he also adds a, a shotgun microphone. Yes, he does. Very good. A directional shotgun microphone. Do I you re- do you remember the the, the name? Because he, he tells he tells the reader what the name is. No, I don't remember the the. Um, all I remember is him saying a directional shotgun microphone, but I don't remember right. him saying a. A name. Yeah, he takes this thing and, and basically what he does is he points it all across the city yeah. until, you know, you know, he uses his radar or his great hearing actually at this point to, to track down who he's looking for. It is called a snooper scope. Oh, the snooper scope. <laughs> the snoop- there you go. Because he can use it for snooping. <laughs> <laughs> and is that the issue where they have the cutaway of everything that's inside the cane or is that? Uh, is, uh, yes, it is. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, it's actually on the very next page when he's using the snooper scope. Yep. It, it talks about the switch and the retractable microphone that mm-hmm. he uses for that. Then there's a transistor and batteries. Uh, the miniature uh, tape recorder, which has it has a little uh, switch that sticks out on the side of the Billy Club, so he can push it whenever <laughs> he needs to, you know, start and stop recording. Yeah. Um, and then it has the bend mm-hmm. in the middle, and on the other side of the bend, he has the, um, I guess, the grappling hook, or, mm-hmm. you know, with with the uh, with the wire. And then one thing I don't remember was oh, the underneath underneath that there was a chamber filled with. Oh, it was empty like, chamber that he could put pellets. Yeah, if he wanted and to he shoot. uses the pellets later, doesn't he? Yeah. Use like. Um, God, he uses one as like an explosive almost, I think, or something crazy yeah. like that. And then the very bottom of the cane, actually, I don't know if it's the bottom or the top. The snooper scope. He, well, no, that, that was at the, that's at one end. Okay. But the other end has got a reflector shield. Yeah, I didn't know what that I was. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at that and I was like, I, I, I can't remember if they, if they talked about the reflector shield that come or not, up. but... Uh, yeah. Well, well anyways, c- congratulations. You at least... Uh, Half remem- a point. You remember the device. I couldn't remember the kid. Uh, but yeah, it is a snooper scope. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and I'm going to try to build my own snooper scope. Yeah, I'm going to put some deflector things on everything <laughs> that I own. Um, if anyone has any questions, you can email us. Uh, we're pretty sure the email is going to be... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be jnjdudd. At, at gmail. gmail.com. So J and J do DD at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Joshua, thank you. Yes, thank you, Jamie. I had a lot of fun. I'm Me looking too. forward to and, and you know, one of the best parts about this was I was able to go back and because I already read the, the origin issue issue mm-hmm. one a long time ago, but I just didn't re- remember it. So it's so yeah. nice to revisit a lot of these and to read many of these for the first time. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was it was great to kind of, you know, I like these characters. They show up in the comics now all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to read the origins of them. You know, even yeah. though I kind of know them, it's still neat to read about Purple Man, the Owl, Stilt Man, all these guys. So yeah. it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Jamie. I'm Joshua. And we, and we did, just did, we did, did Daredevil. We did Daredevil. Daredevil's been did. Done.